In a world where it seems totally normal to listen to a podcast about the Toronto Argonauts, it's the X's and Argos podcast. Welcome to the X's and Argos post-game reaction podcast following a huge Toronto victory 30-27 to over the Montreal Alouettes. JB, joining me as always, this was a... Uh, let me start that again, this is so awkward. All right. <clears throat> Welcome to the X's and Argos post-game reaction podcast following a huge Toronto victory 30-27 over the Montreal Alouettes. Ben Grant, along with JB, as always. JB, this was a, a massive win for the Argos. They were so depleted. So many guys uh, injured for this game, and yet they were able to pull out a win against the very team that they're going to be you know, competing with for that it, second, third spot, potentially first spot, depending on what happens with Hamilton. Massive win, don't you think? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a fantastic win. They, they, were, they were outperformed in every statistic statistical category uh, except the one that matters and they were desperately injured at almost every position and they did what they had to do to win at home and I think it proves that they are you know probably in the top three teams in the league and and have a decent shot at finishing first in the east so I want to take issue with you saying that they were outperformed in every category. Mm -hmm. Statistically, there's no denying that. Vernon Adams threw for 382 yards. Uh, William Stanback ran for 133 yards on 19 carries. And in fact, the, the Alouette's backfield, every rusher averaged over seven yards a carry. So I can't argue with the numbers, but I feel like that was part of the plan. And I don't know if this is Chris Jones or if this is Dinwiddie's strategy going into this game. A lot of stuff obviously is carried over from from Coach Young. This being uh, Coach Jones's first game as, as you know, sort of, uh, I guess, interim DC or whatever we want to call him. But the plan was to let Stanback run and to let Adams throw anything he wants as long as it's underneath. So when you look at at the Argos coverage in this game, the backs were playing, the defensive backs were playing about 10, 15 yards off, whether it's man or zone, they were giving him whatever he wanted underneath, gambling on the fact that at some point he's going to want to go downfield. He wasn't just going to be happy uh, hitting those underneath routes all game and, you know, handing it off to stand back. At some point he would go downfield and the Argos would intercept it. And, and it worked. Yes, they let up a lot of yardage, but that's kind of what happened to Montreal last week. They had a ton of yards last week, but they all resulted in six field goals. They couldn't get into the end zone. So I actually really like that as a defensive strategy. I don't care that they had all these yards. Um, yes, uh, you could argue they played bend but don't break, and they did. Uh, I think it, it you know, I, I, I don't think your plan can ever be to give up 575 yards and uh, think that you're going to win. I think, you know, usually you would tr you would want to stop either the run or the pass. You might give up one. It's, uh, you know, yeah, <laughs> that's not a sustainable model to to give up that many yards and and expect to win. But uh, but they were able to pull it off. I, I I think they were smart with Adams to 
to bait him into the deep throws. Um, and uh, Stanbeck looked awesome. I thought he was the best player that the Argos have faced. And, you know, I thought Montreal should have used him more. I know, I know he, you know, he, he carried it 19 times for 133, but man, I, I would have kept going to him. I, I thought they, uh, I wasn't in love with the Montreal play call in terms of what, uh, you know, I thought the Montreal, not to go on about Montreal, I thought, I thought that, uh, that little underneath, um, sort of tight end reverse was a great call down in the red zone. Um, they were killing the Argos on screens early. Uh, I did not like Montreal's play calling in the second half. Yeah, I agree totally. And I, I was talking about that with, with the guys up in the press box. We were looking at that opening drive that Montreal put together. They were running all over the Argos. They were basically averaging like 11 yards a carry at those first few runs. And then suddenly they threw three passes in a row and then had to punt. And and everyone's like, well, what are you doing? Like, you, you're running all over the Argos. Why don't you just keep running the football? And that continued the whole game, no matter what. And, and it's not like the score got way out of hand. Like, I could understand, you know, abandoning the run if they, they were, you know, three or four touchdowns down. But that was never the case. They were always within striking distance in this game. And so why they decided they absolutely needed to throw the ball was beyond me. Because the Argos, and this is a whole separate topic, but the Argos are more banged up right now than I think I've seen any team in the CFL in like the last 10 years. If you look at the injured Argos, there is an all-star team, a, a CFL, basically the, the 2019 all-star team is, is on the injured list. You've got both starting linebackers in Muamba and, and Judge. You've got offensive linemen. You've got three of the five starting receivers on the injured list. You've got the backup quarterback in there, the, the backup halfback and corner. And so, of course, there's going to be weaknesses on defense, but I have no idea why Montreal didn't just stick with that. You've got this great player in William Stanback. Run the football. I don't think the Argos had an answer for that. No, they def- they definitely did not. Like, you know, we talk about bend but don't break, but I don't I don't think the defensive line and linebackers were pretending to get washed out. <laughs> you know, they like they were get, you know, as as well they should, you know, I mean, they're they're not the starters and and they had a hard time. I mean, they were getting they were getting dominated. They were getting pushed out of the way. I you know, I mean, thank God, you know, thank God for Thank God for Montreal. <laughs> Their the decision making was so strange, and not to you know, not to say anything bad about uh, Dexter McCoyle and, and Diggs. I, I thought like you know, both those guys—they're great linebackers. But their strength isn't in stopping the run. Diggs really isn't a middle linebacker, and that's where he was. And you could see the difference. Yeah, and enough. Moamba is such a good a, run stopper. Standbacks a load. Oh yeah. I mean, you could just see it. I mean. You know, you're you're not going to bring in the secondary to stop that guy. You need bangers to bring him down. Um, you know, so I think that was that was a real. You know, I I remember watching and thinking, okay, this is going to be a problem. Um, but you know, they just did not stay with it and didn't didn't give them enough breaks. I thought, like, what you know, if you're if you're getting that kind of space for him, I I don't know why you don't bring in a second back to give him a blow and and still keep going is basically 
when they took him out, they passed. You're like, oh, well, that's that's one way of, of running an offense. Or not running an offense. Yeah, it was certainly helpful from a defensive point of view. Yeah, it was great. I, I, I was thrilled every time they dropped back to pass. I thought that was fantastic. Yeah, they'd like, be like, run, stand back, run, stand back, take a break. You might as well just yell pass as soon as they ran on the field. They just sort of figured that knowing the type of quarterback that Vernon Adams is, he loves those deep shots because it's what he does so well. And so they were prepared to give him whatever he wanted under 15 yards, let's say, and let stand back run. And Adams, for the most part, was really patient in this game. Like he finished, he finished 30 of 39, like 77% completion, which is, that's got to be one of the highest he's ever finished a game yep. with. Because he was patient, 382 yards. Like he, his fantasy performance was astonishingly good. And yet, at some point, he decided he needed to take a shot downfield. He made and, some some poor throws and threw two picks. And I thought they underused him, um, you know, rushing. Yeah, you know? I, I, I get that. Like I he, he ended up carrying for five uh, five carries, 38 yards. Again, 7.6 per carry, so they were productive. But I think most of it came out of that one 25-yard run that he had, uh, which, you know, it was a, a design draw play right to, you know, at the beginning of the third quarter. I think it was the might have been the second or third play of the third quarter where they realized that the Argos are playing so deep and paying attention to standback that they basically swung standback out in a, in a, in a, uh, a swing pass pattern and ran a draw play with Vernon Adams and there was nobody left. And so he ran for miles, but then they, they didn't go back to that. That was a great play. I thought, I thought at the time, like what a great adjustment this is. And then, well, that's it. Let's move on to other things. And that's, that was the problem with Montreal's play calling today. It was, it was weird. It was weird. I don't know. Anyways. Yeah. They, they, um, you know, they certainly have the talent, but you know, full credit to the Argo defense, even though, they gave up a ton of yards when when they needed to make a play. Um, they were able to get off the field. And and what else do you do? Like as the Argos defense, like as Coach Jones, you look at your depleted uh, defensive line. You have no linebackers left. Your secondary is depleted. Like the, they've got guys in. At, at every level, there's somebody who was like cut during training camp who is now starting for you, and yet you know, they were able to put together a really good game, but this is the only way you can do it. You can't play aggressively with these guys. You have to play bend, but don't break and just hope that, that Montreal gets frustrated, which they did. I I thought it was a really good game plan. And I know, like you say, like they they obviously didn't go into it saying, Hey, let's give up 500 yards of offense. That's not, you know, they, they don't word the plan that way, but bend, but don't break was, I think the perfect answer for what the threats that Montreal posed. Let's talk about some of the individual performances. McLeod Bethel-Thompson coming in as technically the backup quarterback. And I know Coach Dinwiddie likes to say he has two starting quarterbacks. I think he's got a pretty good argument after today. McLeod played an amazing game, especially that first half. He struggled in the second half, but he really didn't make a mistake in that first half. Yeah, I mean, I thought he played well. I thought he, I thought he did exactly what you want your backup to do. Um, that you know, you, you want your backup in a perfect situation to not be a donkey. And so, like, he came in, 
and he had a great first half and he moved the ball and his you know his arm strength is 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 still there he threw some gorgeous deep outs and deep balls and he didn't uh light himself on fire in the second half but you know i i thought it was i thought he played very well but it definitely did not create a quarterback controversy for me i thought that he, you know, I thought that he played well as a backup, but uh, that's still not the uh, that's still not the package I would like to see moving forward. In talking to him after the game, he was disappointed with his second half, but he was also it was kind of interesting. He he was surprised at the looks that he was given from Montreal because. Uh, we talked about how much differently Montreal has played him over the years. They usually send a lot of heat from the secondary. That's just sort of their their staple with him. And I know defensive coordinators have changed since Montreal last played Toronto, but it was a really different look today. And what McLeod Bethel-Thompson did was basically anytime Montreal was in zone, he was looking for the easy completion. He was just taking the underneath stuff. And then when whenever they played man, that's when he would take a shot. And he was able to capitalize in, in both of his last two drives of the first half. I know Pipkin was on the field when they scored that touchdown, but it was McLeod Bethel-Thompson that got them there. And then, of course, with just a few seconds left in the half, he's got man coverage on Chandler Worthy, who claims, and I, I won't dispute this, but claims to be the fastest man in the CFL. And I'll get to that in a second. But finds him in man coverage, throws a bomb, and I think there were nine seconds left when they scored that. And that, to me, was a dagger because at that point, it puts Toronto up 21-10 to 10 going into the half. They've got all sorts of momentum. They scored two touchdowns in like 45 seconds. But I think a lot of this comes on, you know, McLeod Bethel-Thompson's really stellar play. He was an intelligent quarterback. He took what was there, took chances when there really was no risk, and used his feet well, bought himself some more time, and just didn't make any bad throws, any poor decisions. And and that's, you know, more than what you would expect of a backup quarterback. I think it's, uh, you know, I think it's what you expect from a good backup quarterback. I think my, my point was just... It, he didn't do anything I haven't seen him do before. And I think that's one of the great things about the Argos, that that they have probably the best backup quarterback in the league. Um, so I was I was really happy to see him, um, you know, do what he does, which is cannon that ball down the field. And, and you know, Worthy is, you know, we can talk about the wide receiver depth. Um, he looks like a guy who's going to take the top off defenses. Um you know, as long as the deep ball can get there. So that's a nice addition. And Pipkin is our short yardage quarterback that we've been clamoring for. The problem is when Nick Arbuckle comes back, and I expect him to start the next game after the bye week, you're going to have Macbeth as the backup quarterback. And because of this weird CFL rule that is now in place, you're not going to end up with three. And so you're back to just Arbuckle and and McLeod. And it's unfortunate because Pipkin looked amazing in that role today. He was comfortably throwing the ball around. He was two for three for 34 yards. He ran the ball well. He was a threat on on third down. And you talked about it last week, the idea of having somebody really competent running the football on third and short. And he's he's the answer. He's the guy. And yet, I feel like 
the next time the Argos take the field, he's not going to be dressed. No, I don't. I don't know how they get around that. I mean, maybe they call him a wide receiver. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what kind of liberties you can take with that, but it, it would be great to have him dressed as well. I. I feel like it's worth it. I feel like the Argos actually need to dress three quarterbacks and find a way to to get it done. I, I don't know. I don't know how you uh, how you go about doing that and who sits and how that works, but. I, I thought it was amazing that you had Antonio Pipkin to turn to, not only in short yardage. Sometimes they used him on, on first down, just as a change of pace guy, just to see, you know, how Montreal would would play him. And they usually went against the trend on on first and ten. I believe he he threw a pass. So well, especially you know, especially if Arbuckle is dealing with some some injuries. I think the less you have him smashing into mounds of people, the better. And maybe it's a situation coming out of the bye where you've got two games in in just a few days' time. I think I think it goes Wednesday and Monday. I think that's the split, Ottawa and then Hamilton. Maybe you give Arbuckle an extra day's rest. Maybe you don't play Nick Arbuckle in that Wednesday game and he goes out for the Hamilton game. I think he's, like you said, there's no question, he is still the starter. He is the best quarterback on this roster. Well, maybe, but, maybe you have a promotion and you let a fan start the Wednesday game. <laughs> it's it's Ottawa, so you know anything goes, I guess. Let's talk a little bit about Chandler Worthy. So, four targets, four completions, eighty-five yards, and the touchdown. I, it was great to see a fast wide receiver out there taking the top off, like you said. Yeah, and I thought his catch, I thought his touchdown catch was not an easy catch. You know, like he wasn't just a guy. Who who has raw speed? I thought that was, I thought that was a well brought in ball. You know, it was he, he wasn't quite there, and I I was really impressed with with him bringing that ball in. I thought I thought he looked uh, great on another deep out where Macbeth showed off his arm. I, you know, he's a receiver. He's not just a punt returner who can blaze flies. Um, I I thought he looked like a real receiver, which is you know I think. Um, a, a real weapon. I think when everybody comes back, he should be one of their their starting uh, five receivers, or at least used as a rotational piece, a guy that's in there every so often. I, I think something that still needs to improve in his game is his route running. But McLeod Bethel Thompson said after the game, like those those two have a great relationship together. They you know they they are friends socially. They've you know been to each other's houses, met each other's families everything else. But McLeod was saying that a few weeks ago, when he wasn't even on the roster, he asked McLeod to meet him at a soccer field downtown Toronto. He, you know, since getting cut, he stayed in Toronto and still kept working on football. And he's out there throwing passes, catching passes with uh, with McLeod Bethel Thompson out on the soccer field on an off day, just trying to do whatever he could to stay fit and to stay ready hoping that, you know, one day this opportunity would come. And it did, and he made the most of it. And yeah, that's and awesome. I don't even think I don't even think he needs to work on his route running that much in that, you know, you, you want to look at uh, NFL comp and you look at Tyreek Hill. What, what does that guy run? He runs flies. He runs wheels out of the backfield. He runs deep overs. That's it. Uh, you know, and I like we have so many guys who, who can run routes beautifully, but are not outrunning anybody. I, for me, I'm fine, man. Let Worthy go out there and run that, you know, run that straight 
nine down the field, run the deep over. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't sweat that at all. I don't need him to be a tactician. We've, we've, <laughs> that position is currently filled by like five guys. <laughs> I would say I would like to see him add a really good comeback route to his repertoire because he's going to get so much cushion the more he gets on the field. And if he can run a really good comeback, I think that just opens up so many possibilities there. But it, it's interesting what you said about having so many guys that aren't Chandler worthy coach Dinwiddie after the game said something interesting in that he doesn't usually favor that style of receiver he tends to lean towards larger you know big physical receivers who can really help in the run game and he commented on the fact that he he's got a few guys that don't really fit that mold and I think this has maybe been a good thing for him I, I think in some ways the injuries that have been suffered for the Argos well you know overall they're not good certainly we we miss Juwan Breskison there's no question about that you miss Eric Rogers but while these guys are great receivers and really good run blockers I think having coach Dinwiddie see what you can do with guys like Damien Jean-Pierre and Chandler Worthy was really eye-opening because he was clearly impressed with their play and I think his philosophy going forward may be slightly different from what it was maybe coming into this season. Let's talk a little bit about Chandler Worthy's speed, because in the press conference, I asked him if there was any Argonaut that could stay with him in a 40-yard race. And he said that not only was he the fastest Argonaut, he was the fastest man in the CFL. And everybody jumped all over that. I didn't mean to start this, this big thing, but... McLeod Bethel Thompson backed him. He said, you know, I would bet on him in a race. And Justin Dunk from Three Down Nation was was asking him specifically, like if you raced Speedy Banks, uh, Lucky Whitehead, would you win that race? And he said, yeah, absolutely. If, if they're willing to race, I'll do it. <laughs> he is fast. He has recorded a 4-2-6-40. I don't know if anyone else in the CFL has posted a 40 time uh, like that, but... What a great weapon to have on the Argonauts, a guy that can blaze like that. I think it's pretty amazing. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm really excited. I think that's the takeaway from the game is that uh, Worthy is not just a returner, but is one of their top five wide receivers. And how about Damien Jean-Pierre today? Yeah. Four targets, four receptions, 91 yards. He leads the Argos in receiving yardage today. You, you look at that breakdown, the top three receivers today, Jean-Pierre, Worthy, Gittens Jr. You got Ricky Collins with one catch for three yards, Devaris Daniels with one catch for four yards. If you had told me before the game the stats of Ricky Collins Jr. and Devaris Daniels, I would have assumed that the Argonauts got absolutely annihilated. But good on Jean-Pierre for stepping up. Worthy, I, we've talked about enough, but amazing I play. Thought, I always thought he looked great at practice. You know, he does. Like, like, like fast and and smooth and, you know, like... So it, it doesn't surprise me at all that, that he went out there and looked like, uh, looked like a starting wide receiver. The, the You know... The Argos' depth um, is really coming through. Like we talked about, how it was probably the second best roster in the league when the season started, and I think that's true because with the amount of injuries they have, to be in first in the East is, uh, you know, I think a tribute to how many guys they have 
who can still play ball. I mean, <laughs> everybody on this team is still way better than who was on the team two years ago. And and we're like three, four on the depth chart at a bunch of positions. I think Jean-Pierre has the potential to really turn into something. He's yeah. a small school guy. I think he went to Nichols State. I apologize if I'm wrong on that, but I think it was Nichols State. And... You know, not a guy that anyone had heard about, not a guy that came in with a lot of fanfare like some of the other players that we've seen in this in this past couple of years. But he's done everything that's asked of him. He, as you say, he looks great in practice and he finally got his shot. And he actually found out today that he was going to be playing in the game. He wasn't supposed to be dressed. But this morning, Eric Rogers testing out his hamstrings like, you know, I, I don't think I can go. And so he gets this sort of late scratch Damien Jean-Pierre is, is you know, notified this morning that, hey, you're dressing tonight. And he goes out there and, and has 91 yards receiving. So, you know, that that's his shot. Now, how do you go, just like we talked about with, with McLeod Bethel-Thompson, how do you now take that guy off the field? How do you take Chandler Worthy off the field? These guys aren't both going to be dressed against Ottawa, I don't think. They're going to be guys coming back. Well, I, I love his I love his speed. I you know I I think that's gonna be that's gonna be a tough decision. You know if 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 they go out and do you know if they go out and flash again in the Ottawa game, that's you know I think there's gonna be some guys who are not. Well, I mean we talked about I I, I don't know what kind of what the trade market is, but if they were to look for a trade, I think wide receiver is a position that we is in a position of strength that we could trade from. There's no question about that. And I, I, I think you could almost add defensive back to that mix if some of the guys start coming back. Obviously, they're playing pretty shorthanded right now. But d- depending on the status of uh, guys like Jeff Richards and um, Daniels, uh, you know, you've got a couple guys that have been out for well, Daniels for an extended time, Richard's just this game, but you saw Tristan Deku go in there and it was pretty seamless. You know, he was asked to do some different things, but uh, Arjun Cahoon out there, I feel comfortable with, with Matt Boateng out there. He didn't really get playing time today, but they're so deep at so many different positions. And you think of like the 10 defensive linemen that this team has lost. And yet still you've got Sean Oakman out there making plays. You've got Charleston Hughes out there making plays and yet there's all these guys waiting to come back if this team can ever get healthy and maybe this bye week is is going to do it for them man there's going to be some amazing battles and some crazy roster decisions you've got to make who do you start if this whole team's healthy I'm calling it right now there there's a wide receiver trade in the next two weeks but who do you even trade for? Like, what's this team short of right now? Um, well, I I would trade for another defensive back uh, with 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 CFL experience. Uh, I think you we can, get defensive backs coming out of our ears. I know you you say that, but I I, <laughs> I would like to have I would like to have one more safety. If if I were to choose, I don't think it's it's absolutely pressing, but uh, you know I think. If, you know, you can't you can't start nine wide receivers, so you know you can keep the depth, and that's great in case somebody gets injured. But uh, if somebody's looking to add a wide receiver and they're willing to give up something, I, I think it's worth having a conversation. 
I agree, but I think the only thing you might trade for would be offensive line, and I don't think there's <laughs> nobody, any team. Nobody's well. You no, saw, that's the thing. You saw what happens when you trade for an offense. Nobody's trading you an offensive lineman who's good. Right, that's the problem. So I, I don't know. I actually don't think there's going to be a move. I think I think these are this is who we're going to war with, and I think this is the roster that they're going to finish the season with. I just think there's going to be some really tough decisions, but. You know, the nature of football, there aren't any more bye weeks after this week. We're at the halfway point of the season. There's seven games left. There are going to be injuries. There are going to be guys that need rest, that need a break. And so, you know, maybe the right move is not to do anything because maybe you will need these guys. Because here we are in in game seven needing Damien Jean-Pierre, needing Chandler Worthy, needing Curly Gittens Jr. because of all the injuries that the Argos have faced. Here's a question. What is going on with Tavares Daniels? In terms of his play, like he had yeah, one like catch today for four yards. He almost had a, a, another catch, but you know he's he's he in a pretty tough to, position. He was supposed to be a you know a primary target. I, I I just don't I don't know what's going on there. He's being covered by the best defensive back every week, and that's the nature of his assignment. And I, I think what he's doing is he's taking attention away from other guys. Like you, you look at the lineup today. If you're Montreal, if you're game planning for Montreal and you look, okay, who are they who are they throwing out there? Damien Jean-Pierre, who's that guy? Chandler Worthy, what? Gittens Jr. from Laurier? Like, of course you're gonna pay extra attention to Deveris Daniels from Notre Dame, this this guy that has torn up the CFL. Like he was the only player on the field that had any sort of reputation. So, of course, they're going to, you know, shade coverage to his side. But that opens up everyone else. And the few big games he's had happen to be when you've got other people healthy, when you've got Ricky Collins Jr. making plays and and Eric Rogers making plays. And that's when DeVaris can go out there and, and really, you know, make a, make a statement for you. And, you know, that touchdown that we saw against Hamilton, you know, where he's left in, in man coverage. But it just doesn't happen a lot. And a day like today, his job is basically, yeah, take up coverage. And if you're going to shade the safety to his side of the field, that's fine. We'll go to Jean-Pierre, we'll go to Worthy, we'll go to Giddens Jr. And and that's what Bethel Thompson did. So I'm okay with that. I don't care if, if DeVaris catches another pass all year, as long as it's freeing up these other guys. Like you say, they, they've got a wealth of receivers. Use them. That's fine. Eat up coverage with, with Daniels. Yeah, that's true, I suppose. But, you know, I mean, it's it's fine. It's not my money. But at the end of the day, your one's got to be your one. Like, ones are ones, you know, like ones aren't running around the league being decoys. Let's talk about our offensive player and defensive player of the game today. So I'll lead it off for offensive player. I'm going to give it to McLeod Bethel Thompson. I think for technically a backup quarterback, to come in here, and I know his his the way his stats ended up weren't quite what they looked at halftime. He finished the game 13 of 19, uh, which is 68% completion for 210 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. I thought he played a really smart game. I thought his pre-snap decisions, he had a lot of check with me's where he's got two play calls and he's going to decide which one to go with. I thought they were great. I thought his RPOs were great. I thought he had amazing feet in the pocket he bought himself some more time in man coverage to find a guy downfield 
And he played really smart. When they were playing zone, he just took what the defense gave him. And when they were in man, especially when the defensive backs had their back to him, that's when he would take a shot. And so yeah. full credit to him. I think he's my offensive player of the game. He played well. He, well, he played a very good first half. And he played within himself. And I think that he played, and this is not a criticism, I think he played like a backup, which is great, which is you're not a gunslinger, you're not out there, you're not the starter, you're out there to do your job and to not light things on fire. And I thought that's exactly how he played, more more conservatively than he used to play as a starter. Well, in 2019, we saw him try to do everything himself. And he's and, just got so much more talent around him now that he realized he didn't And I think you feel that to. way as the starter. Like, it's just a different kind of... It's a different kind of mindset. I, 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 so I thought, I, yeah, I was, I was happy. Um, for me, I, I'm going to go with the, you know, uh, Damien Jean-Pierre. Uh, I thought, it, what a tribute to his preparation. That look, there, you know, you hear stories about guys who don't know any of the plays, you know, from when you watch football enough. And here's a guy who, who was, you know, was not expected to start. Could easily have been like not into his playbook not totally dialed in you know he goes up practice but he's not he's not sweating it and then when he gets his last second call man he is ready to roll he knows the plays he knows the routes uh he's not the 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 lights aren't too bright Uh, you know i think i think what he did was spectacular tonight to 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 go from not being on the game day roster to being the star of the of the offense uh that to me was was fantastic yeah it's hard to argue with that so you know either he or Macbeth or Chandler Worthy three guys that played amazing games today let's talk about defensive player of the game I think we're probably going to end up with the same one here because there was one guy that really stood out I'm going with Shaquille Richardson he had a forced fumble he had an interception he was in on a number of tackles they sent him in on halfback blitzes I thought he played an outstanding game. So he stands out for me in a, in a defense that, you know, didn't really have that many highlights. He was the one guy that was making them. Yeah, he, he, I, I thought it was his best game of the season. Um, I, I thought Chris Edwards uh, played played really well again. Obviously, I'm a huge Chris Edwards fan. So I was I thought he played really well. Um, you know, I thought my guy, the CN Power, um, pl- played really well. It had had maybe you know a turning point sack that turned seven into three. Um, so he was, you know, he, and one of the few times they rushed him from the outside, and like, hey, he's holding that defensive line together. Like, you know, no shade to Feeney and whatever other guys they have coming in, but you know, <laughs> I mean, God love him and Charleston Hughes, man. Those guys are taping it up every week and are going out there and, and trying to trying to hold the line. Um, so all those guys uh, I thought played well, but for sure uh, Shaq deserves player of the game. I thought he, uh, I thought he really, he really flashed all game. For anyone at home wondering, and it's not your fault if you were, JB referring to CN Power, this is his own nickname for Sean Oakman that he throws around like everybody knows that you just call him <laughs> CN Power. But yes, that's that's who he's referring to. It's not a bad nickname. It's just that you are the only one using it right now. Well, that's okay. It's only, it's only for me. Best play and worst play. 
for the best play of the game, yeah, I, I don't know if you're going to have a different one. For me, I think it's it, it's pretty obvious that it's the touchdown to Chandler Worthy. It's late in the first half. Montreal gambles. They try and go downfield. Uh, Adams gets picked. And here you've got like, I think there were like 23 seconds to try and get a score. And so everyone's like, oh yeah, just get into field goal range. McLeod Bethel-Thompson, he sees man coverage on the fastest guy in the CFL and he just unloads a, a perfect pass. It was a beautiful ball. And Worthy made an excellent catch. Just gets into the end zone. And what a high to end on. And knowing especially that Montreal's getting the ball to start the second half, that puts them up two scores. I thought that, to me, was the, the best play and the biggest play of the game. What yeah, about you? That, that was good. I mean, I know as an offensive guy, you sort of brush past the pick um, that gave your your offensive guys a short field that you managed not to screw up. But I'm going to go back to the pick and my guy Chris Edwards. I thought the pick was when the game shifted for me. Um, it's what they were looking for from Adams. And uh, I thought that that pick, t- you know, right after they had scored, um, and full credit to to the offense for cashing that in, but I thought that that was I thought that was a huge um, a huge moment for the team to like to go like you go down there you score a touchdown they get the ball back and then you pick it off them that's that's a great kind of psychological um, way of wearing down your opponent like we're going to score touchdowns on you all day uh, I thought that was I thought it was a huge pick I thought that was for me the the play of the game. And I think that in that situation, Montreal's probably thinking, well, there's not enough time left for Toronto to do anything with this. So let's take some chances and see if we can get into to field goal range, not knowing that uh, that Macbeth and, and Worthy were going to hook up for that amazing score. But yeah, it was it was, it was a great swing and it was such a, a nice pick from Chris Edwards too. And it was exactly what they were hoping for by playing that really soft coverage. Everyone sort of, you know, planted back at, at depth you're able to come forward, and Edwards did. He saw that that ball thrown and undercut it, made a great pick. I think Shaq almost had a pick six, too. Oh, he did? He was so it, close to You know it. what? When I saw it on replay, it, he wasn't quite as close because Adams actually really put a bit of gas on it. But maybe a step or two, and he, I thought that was a great moment, too. That could have been a real, could have fulfilled my, my hope for a pick six. So another shout out to Shaq there. Yeah, he he saw that play coming, but he, as you say, I think Adams just Adams also saw Shaq and and put some heat on that ball. But I think everyone that I was sitting around at the time, there was this gasp as that yeah, ball was thrown because you could see at first it. blush. It it definitely looked like oh, <laughs> but yeah, he he that thing was that thing was cooking. Now, where do you go for worst play of the game? I was having trouble with this one. Like for me, I'll I'll give you my worst play of the game, but I'm not I'm not thrilled with it because. It just seems kind of a cop-out, but mine is the Chandler-worthy fumble on a part return. And the the reason I have that is not so much in Chandler-worthy fumbling, because I think that that's, I think that's what you get when you put a dynamic returner back there, is that sometimes there are going to be mistakes. You know, sometimes they're going to field a punt that they, they maybe shouldn't have fielded. Sometimes they're going to, you know, try and get those extra yards that they shouldn't try and get. I think when you put a guy like Chandler Worthy back there, you accept that you're not playing it safe. This is this is not Braverman back there. <laughs> no, no, you're right. Who's going to catch the ball and go for four yards? Yep. But 
So I'm I'm actually okay with the occasional turnover that you're going to get there. Yeah, but I in mean, a game that didn't have any glaring mistakes, to me, I guess that's the worst play of the game. I mean, it's for sure, you know, coachable film, because when you look at it, you know, of course, when you're coaching returners, when you feel contact, you have to immediately go into ball protection because, you know, you're not fighting for a first down. <laughs> Stop fighting for another yard. There's nothing to be gained. The play is over. Um, so that... I know that's antithetical to this belief that you can always take it to the house. So that that'll be a bit of a shift because you know as a return, you, you got to have a little Braverman in you. But um, I thought the worst play. Um, I thought there was a swing pass to DJ Foster that made me gasp at its terribleness. Um, that <laughs> that went technically went into loss. the books as as a run because I believe it was a backwards pass. I couldn't but see yes. on the TV feed, but like, you know, I assume that the quads were supposed to block, but it was <laughs> it was uh, looked like a looked like a oh a training camp. Uh, here's how you tackle in space drill. Um, I think three guys missed their blocks on that, and that's why <laughs> yeah. that looked like that. Um, I thought that um, probably the worst play was the final drive that they gave up to Montreal and uh, the two the two passes, uh, the 49-yard and then the 29. I thought the touchdown, no, they were up 10, but oof, that was that was that was really easy that that touchdown. I thought that that was a bit of a letdown for the secondary and I, you know, and I thought he was really wide open in the end zone, so I would I would have hoped in a prevent defense to to not have somebody behind you uh, with a minute left. So that for me, that was the worst play of the game. I thought giving up that touchdown not only did it screw up my score prediction, which was almost perfect, but uh, you know it put the game in jeopardy. It's crazy how still to this point, after all the crazy CFL comebacks we've seen you don't have more intensity from the defense with under a minute left. Because like like we saw, Montreal got the ball back. They were, you know, a few yards away from uh, maybe attempting a field goal or maybe a few seconds <laughs> away. Know. Well, they so definitely it, did not have a, there definitely was not a Montreal clock runner. Like, no, game's over. I know. Like, what? There's no, no review or, or anything. I know. <laughs> game's over. No, you didn't get out of bounds in time. Like, Okay. <laughs> I was, was fine with it, but yeah, everyone was kind of waiting around. Like even the teams, they didn't really go out and and shake hands like they usually do. They're kind of waiting. Like, are you going to review the no, clock? Ref's or? Like, no, ref waved. It's like, no, that's it. Game's over. Good try. <laughs> fine with me. <laughs> Well, that will just about do it for us on this episode of the X's and Argos podcast. We're excited going to this bye week because we've got all sorts of cool things coming at you. Uh, make sure you check everything out that we've got on X'sandargos.com. And if you've got a minute, please rate, review, subscribe to our podcast so it shows up right there on your phone. For JB, my name is Ben Grant saying so long and may all your pre-snap reads be good ones. I'll see you. Fight the foe, foe.